whatever was the immediate prompting of in memoriam whatever the form under which the author represented his aim to himself the deepest significance of the poem is the sanctification of human love as a religion he made love pure and sacred a poet by some strange accident expresses the mood of his generation at the same time that he is expressing a mood of his own which is quite remote from that of his generation dark house by which once more i stand he's not here but far away the noise of life begins again it's rather the cry of the whole human race than mine said tennyson in his poem altogether private grief swells out into the thought of and hope for the whole world it begins with a funeral and ends with a marriage begins with death and ends in promise of a new life a sort of divine comedy don't you think cheerful at the close a very impersonal poem as well as personal it's an elegy the pastoral elegy is the traditional literary form for the expression of grief often grief for a dead young poet tennyson's poem uses some of the conventions of this genre but is more personal introspective autobiographical it's a search within within himself an analysis original greek myths mourned the decay of spring under midsummer heat edmund spenser grieves for sir philip sidney in astrophel milton mourns the death of edward king in lycidas thomas gray for death in general elegy in a country churchyard shelley for keats in the finest romantic elegy adonais what makes tennyson's elegy unique it is the specific details in the morning of death the poet attempts a consolation in which something of human presence remains the loved person's transcendence in heaven retains some of the qualities of the individual human being and is thus one of the more realistic and comprehensive of elegies one of the greatest poems in the english language and one of the finest love poems in this case of course with what would have been somewhat controversial homoerotic overtones in a meditative sequence originally titled the way of the soul the speaker moves through stages of grief over the death of his young and talented friend arthur hallam this remains one of the best 19th century elegies because it deals with the process of learning to live with death it's not chiefly a divinity or defense of god's ways to man but a history of how one person learned to accept bereavement more than any other writer tennyson has seemed the embodiment of his age both to his contemporaries and to modern readers as poet laureate he enjoyed the adulation and reputation in the english speaking world unmatched in literary history an official poetic spokesman for his age for the reign of queen victoria he felt called upon to celebrate a quickly changing industrial mercantile world but was his soul in it 
he felt little in common, for his deepest sympathies were called forth by an unaltered rural England. He struggled with this conflict between what he thought of as his duty to society and his allegiance to the eternal beauty of nature. It seems peculiarly Victorian, though, the Victorian compromise, as Fredman termed it. On the one hand, I mean, it was full of contradictions because on the one hand, there was progress brought on by the Industrial Revolution. And on the other, you saw the poverty, the disease, the suffering felt by the working classes as a result of this progress. An age of complexity, stability, great social reforms on one hand and injustice, social unrest on the other. You saw morality, prudish values, charity, respectability, duty, hard work and also hypocrisy, vice, fallen women, drunken men. Even his most severe critics have always recognized Tennyson's lyric gift for sound and cadence, a gift probably unequaled in the history of English poetry, but one so absolute that it has sometimes been mistaken for mere superficiality. In Memoriam is a tribute to his beloved friend Arthur Henry Hallam, who died young. In this poem, he uses individual bereavement to grapple with broader questions of faith, meaning, nature. It's about coming to terms with loss, grief and the growth of consolation. And while doing so, he touches on most of the intellectual issues at the center of the Victorian consciousness. Religion, immortality, geology, evolution. It also considers the relationship between man and nature, the individual and society. The poem which grew out of personal grief attempts to speak for all men rather than for one. Eliot commented that it has only the unity and continuity of a diary because this was written over a long period. Instead of the clear direction of a philosophical statement, it was bound to be somewhat uh, irregular. But what we see is that the vacillation in the mood of the finished poem, it's not haphazard or capricious, for it's put together to show the different stages of grief, the wild swoops between depression and elation that grief often brings, the hesitant groping towards philosophical justification of uh, bereavement, and uh, the tentative little darts of conviction that may precede a settled belief in a beneficent world because ultimately Tennyson comes to terms uh, with grief, with loss. It's an intensely personal poem, but one must believe the poet in his reiterated assertions that it was a poem, not the record of his own grief about Hallam. Tennyson's reputation suffered an eclipse in the early years of the century. Now, one can once again admire without reservation one of the greatest lyric gifts in English literature. 
Perhaps it's unlikely that he will ever again seem quite the equal of Wordsworth, Shakespeare or Keats. And probably far above any other Victorian. And that is precisely what his contemporaries also thought. Now, In Memoriam is a poem expressing the journey of Christian faith, the poet experiences after the death of Hallam. But it's a poem that goes beyond Christianity and religion. Though submerged in deep sorrow and confronted with questions, challenges to his spiritual beliefs, he becomes a stronger Christian who is filled with faith in a God of love who will reunite him with his departed friend. He underwent a spiritual transformation that deepened his belief in Christ and the hope of a life after death where he will enjoy the companionship of Hallam again. Faced with new scientific discoveries, coupled with an intense grief over Hallam's death, the poet does doubt and question his faith. However, the end result of the process is a transformation of the heart and soul. It's a deep level of spiritual maturity which goes beyond Christianity as an institution or as a very, very um, specific religion, a rigid kind of a religion. Tennyson does express a strong Christian focus that is definitely there and belief throughout the poem. His faith, hope, love blossomed through the transforming power of doubt. While he mourned the loss of his friend, he was assailed by a lot of doubts. He had a lot of questions. The poet is a voice crying out in the wilderness of societal and spiritual confusion, clinging to faith in the promise of Christianity that fill in his heart and ring true through an intuitive process expressed in the poem. Our little systems have their day. They have their day and cease to be. They are but broken lights of thee, and thou, O Lord, art more than they. Does Tennyson feel threatened by science? No. People are much more than cunning casts in clay. Let science prove we are, and then what matters science unto me? What matters science unto men, at least to me? I would not stay, but I was born to other things. I was born to look ahead to a life that transcends the mental, physical realms. That's why Tennyson is not threatened by science, because he says as a human being, he transcends science. He's beyond that. He's something far greater than everything here put together. And life is of no use to Tennyson if science is able to prove that humans are strictly mind and body that perish at death. Look at his faith in the invincible divine spirit of man. Scientists like Charles Lyell, who deeply influenced Tennyson's view of geology, they themselves were deeply religious people and they were also in search of the truth 
and desire to broaden their understanding of humanity's role in the natural world. It's just that it took different paths, but the search, the goal, was the same. Rather than viewing science as an enemy of faith, the poet showed, in fact, he was the first to show how the two should and could live in harmony. The love that rose on stronger wings, wings, sorry, wings, unpalsied when he met with death, is comrade of the lesser faith that sees the course of human things. All this put into proper perspective for the poet. Whether mankind was here on earth for several thousand years or millions, what does it matter? The foundational principles of Christianity do not change with those numbers. Numbers based on scientific theories and observations, they were facts, Tennyson seemed to suggest. It was Tennyson who, when all the religious creeds were crumbling, they were crumbling because they could not accept or face this assault. They were crumbling under the assault of a not unjustly incensed science. He stood like a rock for a certain fundamental faith and he compelled the respect of even the incensed science for his restatement of those beliefs. Tennyson believed too that the ultimate answers to the questions facing mankind will come from beyond the grave. These are questions we ask ourselves today also. So that is why In Memoriam resonates very, very strongly with us. Because we too have conflicts, we have doubts, we have uh, complexities, we try to resolve apparent contradictions and sometimes we feel everything is so futile and meaningless. Yes, Tennyson speaks of death, that shadow waiting with the keys and who keeps the keys of all creeds will reveal the truth of all beliefs. Of course, the poet went through many years of anguish, seeking to reconcile science with faith, as illustrated in the poem. He not only showed the religious community how to incorporate science into their lives, he also helped them to keep their discoveries within the context of spiritual realities as well. He believed that nothing could change the inherent relationship people have with their creator. So even today, when science and technology make, are making giant strides, we keep trying to maintain that balance. We cannot afford to lose our humaneness, to lose our own spirituality. So whether it is artificial intelligence, whether robots have come, we are always guarded upon keeping that essence of humanity intact. The beauty of In Memoriam is that uh, Tennyson doesn't discover anything new. He's not giving you something radically different. The chastening achievement of the elegy is not that it discovers something newer or better, but that it renews trust in that faith by finding it again irreducibly primal and pristine within a strangely different perspective. The inherent intuitive link 
Tennyson discovers he has with God on an emotional, spiritual level within the heart. That is the triumph of the poem. 